take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Be sure to check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couples Synergy or our website, couplesynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for nearly 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast as a way to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of with the partner they fell in love with. We are on location for this episode in... Surfside Beach, Texas, mm-hmm. and we are down here because we are actually going to be officiating a wedding. Yeah, next Friday. And uh, this is something that we have done for several couples now. Yeah, five. I think it's our fifth wedding. Right. And, you know, I think that's really kind of perfect timing that we can talk about the origin of marriage. Before we get into that, we started our Connections online community. Online community called Connections. This is something that's uh, really exciting for us. It is a free membership. So all of you guys, there's no excuse to not sign up for your membership. If you want to access the membership, you go to go.couplesynergymethod.com slash connections and sign up and uh, you will have access to all of our resources there. In addition, you will also receive a link for our weekly webinar and meditation that we are going to be hosting every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time. You know, this Connections program is something that I'm really excited about because, you know, we've been working with people for over 20 years and some people we've worked with the entire time. You know, not every week, but through the years, we've seen these people you know, grow and change and their families grow. And so Connections is a way for us to have interactions with the people that we've known and especially with people who don't yet know us. So it's a way for you guys to get to know us better and you can ask questions on there. It's live. We interact. So please join us. It's a lot of fun. And um, we look forward to getting to know you better or staying connected to you. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the origin of marriage, we'll be talking about commitment, and we'll also be talking a little bit about monogamy as well. Yeah. You know, at some level, I don't believe in marriage. Really? Yeah. It's kind of a funny oxymoron thing, right? Because it seems like a bad idea to ever make a decision that you can never change your mind on. Like if you had to take a job and then stay at that job the rest of your life or whatever, you know, especially 20, 30 years goes by, things change. But... So you're going to be in the same camp as the non-monogamy people. Well, it's not that I am in the non-monogamy camp at all. That's a whole different topic. But it is that, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, 
it's something that you wake up and do every day. It's not something you do one day and then sort of forget about. And so I think to me, it's really about, is this a, a relationship where both people are putting in and are committed? So I, I see that as very different than not believing in the sanctity of marriage. Um, I, I think you're just redefining the commitment. You know, the commitment isn't that you get in front of the, you know, your loved ones on, on the altar, you profess your love to your partner, and now you are committed and bonded to them for life, which is the original belief of marriage. But what you're saying is that you are actually committing to making that commitment on a daily basis. Right. Yeah. It's It would be like taking a job but not really going to work. <laughs> but... You still have a job. So you're making the commitment to work on the marriage. Right. To actively have a living, breathing relationship. Right. To put the work in. Mm -hmm. And and I agree with that. I don't think that just because you, you know, commit to a person, you know, in front of God, in front of people, that that means that you are now, you could sit back on your laurels and not do anything about it. But we see that all the time. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we, right? we definitely do. We definitely see couples that, you know, get married and then they think that, well, it's, it's what is it? The, uh, it's like the ending of, of all the Disney movies. It's like happily ever after. Right. You know, and that's not where it ends. That's where it actually begins. Mm -hmm. You know, funny thing, um, this comes from an article called The Origin of Marriage by theweek.com. And they talked about how old the institution of marriage is. And the best available evidence suggests that it's about 4,350 years old. Wow. That's really long. That is. So in the article, they kind of um, make the implication that as hunter-gatherers started to settle down in civilizations, in societies that that is when a more stable partnership was necessary. And the reason why they came together, one man and one woman back then, it was to ensure their biological traits were going to stay within that couple and within that family. And so you knew you were taking care of your own offspring. Correct. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the questions that this brings up is why should couples even get married, right? Like why stand in front of your family and friends and be on an altar or in front of some reverend and, you know, commit to the bond of marriage? It's a good question. I remember that was a really scary thing to me. I think there's a really important question, especially since in past episodes we've talked about some of the trends in marriage and that the millennial generation has the lowest divorce rate and also the lowest marriage rate as well. And so they are just opting to cohabitate with each other, mainly because the, the generation prior to them had a higher rate of divorce. And so the millennial generation, the, you know, the suspicion is that they don't want to repeat the same mistakes. It seems to me culturally, we do that with a lot of things. You know, there's not a lot of uh, 
longevity to our possessions, right? Well, today's society, it, it is considered a throwaway society, mm-hmm. right? That we just, you know, get rid of things and, and buy something new. You know, why rehab the building? Just knock down the entire building and start from scratch. Right. Don't fix it. Just replace it. Correct. Because, it, in fact, in in our society today, it's actually cheaper. Right. Yeah. Right. And it takes a lot longer. You know, you think about uh, buildings that use reclaimed wood or, you know, they rehab a building structure. It takes actually more money mm-hmm. and more time and resources to actually create that than to just completely start from scratch and use newer materials that are cheaper and easier to put up. Yeah, but you know, they don't feel the same, do they? No. I mean, when you go into an antique store and you see a piece of furniture that's 150 years old and it was made with this incredible quality, like the quality of the wood and the quality of the craftsmanship, and you just think about where has this thing been? Right? It's I, so cool. I would say the same thing with like old cars. Right. Right? You mm-hmm. see an old car that has been maintained and taken care of, and you have a lot of appreciation for that. And it's just really impressive. But you don't see the in between starting from when the car was made till now, and all of the time and effort, care and concern, work and effort. I said effort already, but that takes to actually keep that car running and looking as good as it does. And sometimes you have to find something that has been ignored and forgotten about, and it it gets looking really bad. And then someone can see the beauty of it still. And they take that and they restore it and they bring it back to its former glory. And it is so amazing because you know what you know what that is? You can't just go buy it. You can't. And that's what I would say about marriage is that just like you can't pick fruit the day that you plant a tree, you can't know what it feels like to be with somebody for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and experience, in essence, a lot of the same things your children, the homes you live in, the cars you drive, the way you manage your money, the vacations you go on, and it marinates and marinates and marinates and it creates an incredible bond that I think is kind of the point. I think it's one thing to develop yourself as an individual person, but to develop yourself with another human being, wow, because that's it's tough. It's more than twice the work. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just like synergy is more than twice the benefit. Right. And and that benefit, people cannot see. You can't see that one year out, you know, in your marriage. You can't see that, you know, even five years out in your marriage. And when you are going through those very difficult times, that those times of calibration, really, it is very difficult to see where you're heading, right? And what you can actually develop down the line. And so I think it's very easy to just bail, to see that, well, maybe there's something better out there, right? Maybe 
it shouldn't be this hard. Maybe I shouldn't be in so much pain. Maybe we shouldn't be fighting as much. And maybe there's someone out there where it, it's just going to go so much smoother and it's going to be so much easier. If you guys could see me, I got a great big smile on my face right now because it's so funny. Because we see over and over again, people get in the exact same spot because of that belief. Because it doesn't change if you change partners. There's still much work to be done because we are living, breathing, growing entities. And the person that I was in my 30s, I am not at all in my 50s. Obviously, I'm you could recognize me from my 30s. It, there's things that are comp, that are, you know, part of your personality that you carry with you. But I, I think differently and I believe differently and I, I care about things now that I didn't care about before. I don't care about things I used to care about. And you had to adjust to that. Right. And things that were maybe okay but become not okay. And things that were not okay become okay. It's a really weird thing. I, I had to adjust to myself. Yeah, me too. Yeah. First of all, just the changes, you know, in perception and beliefs, you know, just in myself. And then to have to, you know, kind of merge and calibrate that with the changes that you have been making too over the years. That is a very challenging process. I think the thing that's so unique and cool about that process is you uncover parts of yourself you could never have uncovered in another way. True. And so it helps you become. When you're a single person, you don't have to deal with issues like trust or I don't know, whatever things like counting on someone or or even considering anyone else. You know, right. you can kind right. of do what you want when you want. And that is a whole different type of life lessons, just different, not better or worse than when you are in a marriage. And when you are living together, that is also a different type of way of being in the world. Yeah. It's not that you're not committed mm -hmm. to each other. It's just a different type of commitment. Right. And there are different considerations. You know, when you are married and you've gotten in front of people and you have committed you know, to to work on a partnership with another person, it, it's not as easy to just separate, to stop and, and say, okay, I'm done. You know, that's, that's a whole process now in order to get out of that commitment. We've seen divorces last longer than marriages. That's true. <laughs> right. That is true. Yes. It's very sad, but yeah. it's true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you are living with someone and you're cohabitating, yeah, you guys have a commitment, you know, but it is easier to separate, to leave than if you are legally bound to someone. And I'm not saying that that legally binding part is the, the most important piece, but it does create kind of a situation in your relationship that binds you in a way. Well, if you think about if you live with someone and you're not married to them and one day they get up and walk out and they're gone, mm -hmm. nothing happens. It's just over. Right. But that's not the case if you're married. No. Because you're not free then to go marry someone else. Right. So you have to go through 
a process, even if you're the only one, like someone could leave. We see that. Mm-hmm. And the other person is stuck saying, uh, I got to get this undone because, and you used to be, you put an ad out in the newspaper. I don't know if they still do that. No, I And then if nobody disputed it and that kind of thing, but there's actually a thing that has to be undone when you have a, a marriage. Right. So it's, it's a lot more technical of a process. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's why it is so scary for some people. You have something to lose. You absolutely do. I remember the saying something like, why would you be with one person? It's like wearing the same shoes. You never have another pair of shoes or something like that. Like It's like a weird concept of only having one. And it references your sexual partner, right? Right. Like you would lose the variety of multiple partners if you are married. Do you remember hearing things like that when you were a kid? Like it would be boring or it would be monotonous or you would get Just tired that. of the person. This is the person that you're going to have sex with for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think that the sowing your wild oats and, you know, that sort of thing, you know, that that's kind of perpetuated in, you know, the male stereotype as well. Um, but I, I think it's just kind of a deflection of the fear of committing to one person, right? You know, this kind of borders on the topic of monogamy now. And, you know, we had said that we were going to comment on that. And I think there's a lot in the media and in, in podcast world about non-monogamy. And, you know, in having, in talking about this topic, particularly, you know, Gina and I, we had, we were talking about, are there animals truly in the world that are monogamous, right? right? And so these are not animals that go in front of a judge and legally bond themselves to together, but they are actually choosing to be together. To be mates. To be mates for the rest of their lives, Right. And one of those animals are the gibbon monkeys, and they have a partner. They typically have one partner in their 35 to 40-year lifespan. So, I mean, that's a pretty long time, right? And they are not bound by their their house and the mortgage and <laughs> bank accounts, you know. Like they could leave. They they could. And and in fact, there are some incidents of cheating, breakups, and remarriage within their community. It's it's really fascinating, right? You know, there isn't any online dating, but they <laughs> they do have that those kinds of incidents and concepts that come up within their community as well. Wolves are also monogamous and they mate with a partner till death do us part, really. And you know, they actually have babies every single year. They have a new litter every single year. So that ensures that that genetic uh, consistency is maintained. I'm glad I didn't have to have a litter every year. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> so when you see a lone wolf, it typically because that wolf is single or they are mourning their dead partner, or they're also, they've been broken away from the pack. Aww. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Um, beavers also are monogamous. And they both together, they maintain their dams and lodges. And, you know, they also co-parent and, and stay together until one partner dies. And here is a very interesting fact. 
90% of birds are socially monogamous. Wow. 90%. That is huge, right? Including the barn owl and also including bald eagles. Wow. You know, I had a thought as you were talking. Um, These animals that that have monogamous relationships, they also have a connection to a community or the land, an area, right? That they have to maintain something which includes their own survival and the survival of their offspring. And we live in a world now where we have really eroded community, right? right? We can have a relationship with someone across the country, across the world, We've podcasted people on the other side of the world. It's so open and big that there's no like responsibility for your own survival when you invest in a relationship so much anymore. And so I think that's an interesting thought. You know, when I was a girl, I don't know, there was a hundred kids in my graduating class in eighth grade. That was, that was your dating pool, (laughs) you know, and, and that's, the whole class and half of those are, you know, the opposite gender. And then of that half, there's, you know, the group that you're in. And so, you know, maybe you've got an option of maybe 20 potential people that you might date, whatever dating is in eighth grade. And then in high school, that probably gets, I don't know how many kids were in my high school graduating class, maybe 600, 500, 600. And, and that's it. Right. And back then there wasn't internet, there wasn't that stuff. And maybe you'd go to the mall and meet someone from a different school, but there wasn't tons of options. And now there now there are. Right. Right. There's so many options that it seems limitless. And it also seems like that's what you are too. You are also someone else's other option as opposed to becoming someone's person. Well, what that does is facilitate competition. Yeah. Right. And because there's so much choice and there's so many options out there, you have to compete for a partner. Versus within a smaller community, there wasn't that competition. People fell into their roles. And anthropologists, they believe that our society, our our species grew within groups of 30 to 100. Mm -hmm. And within those communities, we each had a role and there wasn't much competition. You know, if you were the shoemaker, you were the shoemaker and someone else did a different type of role and they pulled together your resources and your skills to create this, this working community. But now that our communities have broken down and have become more diluted to the entire world, that competition is so much more rampant and so much more widespread and it does filter into our dating and our mate selection. Well, you talk about competition, and I remember as a girl hearing the phrase, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach, which means you would have to have some skills in cooking or some other kind of thing that would be the competition, you know, and now I don't think any of that exists except physical attraction. Most people met their partner in person-to-person contact 30 years ago, 20 years ago, before internet, right? And so you met, you you had to have a physical attraction to them, but you also, they had to 
make you laugh or treat you a certain way, open a door, have some level of ability to communicate. There was more. There was just more. And even the chemistry, you know, because you could see an attractive person and still not have chemistry with them. Right, right. Or you could see an attractive person maybe behaving badly, which would be a turnoff. You're like, ugh. Mm-hmm. And so there was more. And now it's just an image that you have to compete with an image and maybe some words. It's so hard. It's so hard to really get the essence of well, someone. Well, you're looking at an advertisement. Right. First. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then when you meet the person in person, then you actually are actually seeing the product. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is interesting. Like Ari and Leslie, the couple that you know we just aired last week. Right. They dated by phone, right, for like months before he knew what she looked like. Yeah, which is very fascinating. Yeah. So they did meet on an online app, but she never put a picture up. So they had to get that energy mm-hmm. from each other and from each other's voices. Yeah, yeah. Which there's a lot you can tell with that. And, you know, everyone knows right now, man, we're in the Zoom world and we're doing everything digitally. And so how much communication and connection breaks down when you're not in the same room and looking into someone's eyes and a huge amount. Huge. Remember when we were doing um, the meditations, mm-hmm. you know, during lockdown. Yeah. And by the way, if you have not seen these meditations, you guys should check it out. It's you could look at it on our Couple Synergy Facebook page <laughs> on our videos. It is hilarious. Um, but when we were under lockdown, we did a meditation every single day and we did these funny skits. But before we started the meditation, I would strike the gong that we have in our meditation room. And if you've ever been in a room with a gong, you could feel the vibrations in your chest, Mm -hmm. right? But anybody that was watching it or listening to the meditation, they could not feel that. And in fact, it came off like with dissonance and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was a distortion yeah. in the microphone. And, and so there is a huge amount that is lost, you know, over the internet and over these these virtual media that we have. And so it is kind of distorting. Sure, for sure. Right? Coupling and, and partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. It's so difficult because... I would say, I don't know, 80% of the couples we've interviewed say, I knew very quickly this was going to be my person. Yeah. I looked across the room and I knew it. And we hear it over and over and over again. And I don't think that same thing exists if you just see a picture of them. And even doing this recording, everyone that comes on the podcast and we interview, they all say, oh, I don't like listening to the sound of my voice. Well, because it gets distorted through the recording and you don't hear it the same way in your own ears. And it's it's yeah. all those things, which is really interesting. So when, if we get back to this idea of competition, you can't compete by being wonderful and being a good person or, or being a good being cook. a supermodel or something like that. Well, that's the only way you can compete. <laughs> it's it's that's a very difficult right? competition to enter, right? <laughs> I mean, as human beings, we are not built to be perfect and flawless, right? And 
those supermodels, that's a picture of them as well that has probably been altered also. Sure. And so it's, it is, it's, that's a, that's a tough one. Most of us in the bell-shaped curve are in the middle, <laughs> not so much. So if, if you are hearing us dance around the concept that marriage is much more difficult today than it has been in the past, that is correct. Mm -hmm. It is much more difficult, right? And is it easier to just cohabitate with a partner, n not commingle your finances, you know, go Dutch on everything? Yes, it absolutely is easier to do that. You have very distinct lines. You, you can even separate your refrigerator and be like, this is my food, this is your food. And it is much more clear. The boundaries are very distinct. And you can eliminate a lot of conflict that way. Sure. But you don't have a partnership. And you don't grow. And you do not, you cannot benefit from what a true partnership can actually bring you. And, and it's conceptual. This is not something we can say, oh, you know what? I, I have a pamphlet here that can list you bullet points onto, on what you will actually receive when you have a partnership for more than 20 years. They're just, it doesn't exist. No. Nope. But there have been PET scans that have been done with couples who have been together more than 25 years. Couples who have had that long-term relationship and long-term bonding. Within their brain, the area that shows love and that is reserved for love lights up so much brighter than couples who have been together less than five years. Right. So in the beginning of a relationship, the brain lights up a lot, right? And that doesn't last very long, somewhere between nine months and two years, right? Where it's just that you can live on sunshine and rainbows and you don't have to eat and sleep and you just, you know, that is awesome. So any of you guys out there that like to fall in love, it's wonderful. Oh, the beginning yeah. phases is incredible. But imagine what that would feel like all the time after 25 years. And we're together almost 23 years and dating 24 mm -hmm. altogether. And I feel it. I feel that, especially in the last few years, we have been working really hard on that melding. I can feel it in my brain. I can feel it in my in my nervous system, my nervous system doesn't feel so guarded, so much more comfortable, so much more at peace and safe in the world because we have this thing called dependency paradox. It means that the stronger we have a connection to our partner, the more free and independent we become, which is so crazy sounding and this would be the benefit of being in a committed relationship. A marriage. Because right? then you feel more free. Right. And... You do get more fat, too. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Because we have more fun. Speaking from personal experience. Because we have more fun. We're happier. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a crazy thought that you actually have more freedom and more confidence and more independence the more securely attached you are. And it's really true. It's true as children right? The more support we have, the greater uh, we are at seeking out new adventures or trying new things or having the confidence to put ourselves in unique situations. 
Whereas when we're insecure and fearful, we shut down, we don't want to do that. And so if you have a partner that you feel really safe with, the world is yours. And it it is not a surprise that the attachment style that we had as a child with our parent is replicated in our relationships later on. I shouldn't say replicated, I should say it's reflected in the attachment styles that we have with our partners later on. I, I got to say developmentally, right? You're going to be attracted to someone who knows that dance, of right, course. Right, But the goal is to grow way far beyond that. Mm-hmm. Because to that's evolve a, beyond it. Yeah, because that's parent-child. And that's right. what we teach, right? Is this adult-adult. And when you can get there, it's really amazing. It feels so much safer in the world. And partners, bonded partners, we regulate each other's heart rate and our hormones and blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. We become one entity. This actually is a concept that was brought up in a study uh, by Briggs and Briggs in 1979. And they described that allegiance as the marriage personality, right? The marriage, the marriage personality. personality. Right. And they insinuate that the union between the two partners, it creates almost a separate and unique entity, right? And that's what we're talking about here, is that that bonding together creates something that's completely unique and is one entity. And it is not something that you can create without that commitment, that commitment of partnering. Right. It's interesting. Tony Robbins talks about these needs that we have as individuals, and they're always conflictual. So we have a need to feel certain. And that's what commitment says. Commitment says, I'm certain that I'm going to be showing up for this relationship. And I'm certain because my partner says they're showing up, that they're showing up. I don't have to check this out every minute, every hour, every day. Right? Right. And then we have a need to have variety, have now that we have the safety, now let's go out and explore the world and see what's out there and and what we can become. And that's one of the things that amazes me about what we're trying to do in this world is, you know, anyone who follows us knows that we have a really strong commitment to personal growth and spiritual development. And I personally believe, I I think you do, that that's the highest form of spiritual development you can have is to have a fully merged entity relationship with another human human being, someone that knows you, sees you, hopefully cares yeah. about you and loves you and forgives you for your shortfalls and loves you even, you know, because who's going to see you at your worst? Your partner, that's who. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do believe that. And I also believe it is the most difficult thing that you will ever have to do in your life. Yeah, you see a lot of great teachers, right? Like Wayne Dyer and Gandhi and I don't know, there's a whole bunch of great spiritual people out there, but they're all by themselves. At least they're all by themselves teaching about it. They may have a partner somewhere, I don't know. But like to try to do that together, and of course we come from our own places, right? I had a 
a woman I was working with the other day and she says, I just wasn't raised like that because she was all upset about how her husband was doing something and she, I wasn't raised like that. Well, guess what? That's why you're with someone who wasn't raised the same way you were because somewhere in the middle is the best. And we're not talking about right or wrong or good or bad, but we're saying what I learned and my set of skills and strengths and concepts and beliefs and ideas and yours, Mm -hmm. what you learned and all that you know, it's so much better if we can merge as much of that together and it's like supernova, right? It's it that's the big part that's everything. Well, everyone says you you have to have balance in your life. You have to find balance, <laughs> you know? And, and this is what we're talking about here is you have to find balance within your relationship and that is the work of a marriage. That is the work of that partnering commitment that we're talking about here which is ongoing. It's not something that ends you know, or is done when you first make that commitment to your partner. It is something that you are committing to every single day. And it is work. And finding that balance point is not the responsibility of your partner. It's not responsibility of you. It's the responsibility of the relationship, Mm -hmm. of the marriage personality. Right. Right. And I think today more than ever, there is such a bigger opportunity to grow together in the opposite way that marriage was probably 50 years ago. 50 years ago, you knew your role. You had distinct roles. That's what you did. Right. The goal wasn't to become, it was to survive. And now every relationship is different. People are doing all sorts of things differently, right? Some change their name, some don't change their name, some manage their money together, separate, some, all, all sorts of different ways. And that's the point, right? The point is there is no right way. There's no wrong way. There's our way. Right, right. And figuring that out is not painless because you have to let go of big pieces of yourself that felt maybe even safe and secure because that's how you were raised. You have to let go of what you were taught. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And what society tells you it's supposed to be. And, And that is why it is so much more difficult today to have a healthy marriage than it, it was in the past. And so this brings us full circle now to why we get married as opposed to just commit and live together. Mm-hmm. And marriage, the, the wedding ceremony is a combination of a death and a birth. And this is why in the Jewish tradition, they take a glass and they break it and they say, just like you can't put that glass back together, who you used to be, you are no longer. You're forming yep. something new. Or the jumping over the broomstick or... Or the tying the cord ceremony. Yep. The cord ceremony. All of these ceremonies, they are clearly defining. There's the past and there's the future. And here's something different. Yep. That is probably why it is so scary for people. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to lose myself. Right. Right? I don't want anything to change about who I am and what I want in this world. Well, guess what? You are going to change. And it doesn't really matter whether you are getting married or not. You are going to change. And, And I hope that you do because that is the part of life that that beckons to us, that we all have to evolve. We have to change. We have to become better. And part of that is changing within our relationships. 
I mean, you think about your friendships. I mean, I had this discussion with a client the other day. Your friendships, maybe you have a friend that, you know, you've known for 20 years, 30 years. Your friendship today is very different than it was when you first met. And and it's not something that you recognized that has happened. But if you look back, you could see that change, right? And that's because it was necessary. If you didn't change, then you would not be friends today. Right. That relationship would have been over a long time ago. Right, because you can't be still doing your high school shenanigans. Or you could. but <laughs> <laughs> And then you get married, which changes the relationships. Right. Having kids, you know, your freedoms change over time. You had said that you have, a, that people have a fear of losing themselves. Right. And because marriage has changed so dramatically, which is part of the rise of divorce rates, is that, is that we want more and when we don't get it or the other half of us isn't working on it, we either leave or get left, right? And so I think this is why this new field of coaching has been birthed because we do need someone to hold us accountable. We need someone to guide us in a direction when we're not sure where we're going. We need someone who's watching and saying, hey, think about it a little bit different. Don't just do what you've always done. You could really improve if you do that. Mm -hmm. And we do that for business and we do that for our physical health. And now you can do that for relationships because they're complicated and they're difficult. And we haven't learned it. We haven't learned it because it's so far beyond what our parents could have taught us. And that's why we do the weekends. And that's why we're doing this podcast is because we really want people to know that you don't just get married one day and then you're done. And if you don't know what to do, there's ways to learn how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want to go and improve on your body, you're going to go to a personal trainer. If you want to improve your finances, you're going to go to a financial advisor. You need legal advice. You go to an attorney. You know, there are people out there that can help guide you in changing an aspect of your life that you're not happy with. And so, yes, relationship coaching is now this new thing because if you're not happy in your relationship, you don't have to just scrap it and start over because chances are you're going to start over the same dysfunction that you were in previously. Absolutely. And so seek out someone that is going to be able to guide you, someone that has been working with relationships for a very long time, and they know the patterns, and they can see the dysfunction, and they'll be able to point out maybe some areas that you can tweak and areas that you can improve and areas that you both can do things differently so that you can create that relationship that you want. And especially if things are going well. Yes. You know, it's like if you want to go work out, but you have a broken leg, <laughs> you're not going to do so well. You know, why wait until your body's falling apart? Go work out when you're healthy and get better. It's the same kind of concept. And so if if living together is like, a mixture like Chex Mix. And at some point you want that to end. You pull out the peanuts and you pull out the Chex cereal and you pull out the chocolate, whatever's in there. That's it, right? But when you're married, it's like a cake. And you put in the sugar and you put in the flour and you put in the eggs and the sugar and the flour and the eggs are changed. They become something else. And if that marriage ends... 
it gets ripped apart. It is not a clean break. And it's something that's forever broken. And so marriage is very different than just living together and not committing. Very different. So we want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Couple Synergy today. Obviously, you could tell that this is a very passionate topic for us. This is our life's work. Um, our podcast is a, a fun way of, of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. Um, but our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the Couples Weekend Intensive, which is the which is going to be coming up in April, mm-hmm. April 15th to the 18th, and our premier program called Couple to Couple, or our online community, which is called Connections. Look us up online at couplesynergy.com. Yeah, join us Tuesday nights live through our Connections program. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.